The Nuclear Age, written by Blake Hamilton, narrated by Dan Levy. Prologue Is there a future for nuclear power, medicine, and weaponry? Well, from my vantage point, the answer appears to be yes. Human progress is clearly an exponential curve, and we have never walked away from a dangerous and world-changing discovery. However, the line between destruction and prosperity lies with one crucial factor, accountability. In almost every example I have observed in the research for this book, from Hiroshima to Fukushima, the greatest risk of splitting the atom lies not in the technology, but with human error, specifically the emotions of impulsiveness, short-sightedness, and hubris. But if you're paying attention, what I have just identified is not human input, quite the opposite. As this book will explain, the issue regarding the future of nuclear energy is human inactivity, humans acting on instinct rather than considering as many perspectives as possible. In the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis, the world held its breath as the United States and the Soviet Union stood on the brink of nuclear war. As tensions escalated and the U.S. discovered that the Soviet Union was installing nuclear missiles in Cuba, the situation grew more precarious by the day. But the true terror came on October 27, 1962, when a Soviet submarine, the B-59, was detected by U.S. forces. As the U.S. Navy began dropping depth charges, the submarine's crew found themselves running low on oxygen and facing the very real possibility of imminent destruction. It was then that the submarine's captain, Valentin Savitsky, made a decision that could have changed the course of history forever. Believing that war had already broken out between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, he ordered the launch of a nuclear torpedo at the U.S. fleet. But there was a catch. The launch required the agreement of all three senior officers on board the submarine, including Vasily Arkhipov, the second in command. Arkhipov was the only one who objected to the launch, arguing that it was too risky and that they should surface and return to Moscow to discuss the situation further. Despite the immense pressure from the captain and the other senior officer, Arkhipov stood his ground and convinced them to surface instead of launching the torpedo. It was a moment that would ultimately defuse the crisis and prevent a nuclear war between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. The world breathed a sigh of relief, unaware of the catastrophic consequences that could have occurred had the torpedo been launched. Thanks to the bravery and level-headedness of Vasily Arkhipov, the world was saved from the brink of destruction, and the lesson was clear. Nuclear energy is a force that requires the input of many, not the sole responsibility of one. Chapter 1. Splitting the Atom Okay, imagine you have a pile of dominoes. You know how when you push one over it knocks the next one down, and that one knocks the next one, and so on, until all the dominoes have fallen? Well, a nuclear chain reaction is kind of like that, but with atoms instead of dominoes. Atoms are tiny particles that make up everything around us, like the air we breathe and the things we touch. Some types of atoms are called radioactive, because they can break apart and release a lot of energy. When one radioactive atom breaks apart, it releases some energy and also some tiny particles called neutrons. Now, here is where the chain reaction comes in. 
If one of those neutrons hits another radioactive atom, that atom will also break apart and release more energy and more neutrons. And then those neutrons can hit other atoms, and so on and so on, like a chain reaction of falling dominoes. If you have a lot of radioactive atoms close together, you can create a lot of energy in a very short amount of time. That's what happens in a nuclear reactor or a nuclear bomb. The Potsdam Conference The Potsdam Conference, convened in 1945 amidst the wreckage of Europe, was a pivotal moment in human history, for it was here that the leaders of the world grappled with the reality of the nuclear age. As the Allied powers deliberated on the fate of a shattered continent, President Truman received news of the successful atomic bomb test, and with it, the power to end the war with Japan. As the Allied leaders debated the ongoing war with Japan, President Truman revealed the success of the atomic bomb test. Truman saw this as a means to swiftly end the war, which had already claimed countless lives and caused immense destruction. The leaders, including British Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Soviet Premier Joseph Stalin, agreed to issue a warning to Japan, demanding its unconditional surrender and threatened to use the atomic bomb if Japan did not comply. On August 6, 1945, the United States dropped the first atomic bomb on the Japanese city of Hiroshima, causing widespread destruction and killing an estimated 140,000 people, mostly civilians. Three days later, another bomb was dropped on Nagasaki, killing an estimated 70,000 people. The use of the atomic bomb was a contentious decision, with some justifying it as necessary to end the war quickly and save lives, while others condemned it as a disproportionate use of force and a war crime. The Potsdam Conference marked the beginning of the nuclear age, with the destructive power of the atomic bomb raising profound ethical, moral, and strategic questions that continue to shape our world today. But in order to understand what made this moment possible, we must go back even further. The Manhattan Project In the early 1940s, the world was at war, and the race was on to develop the most devastating weapon the world had ever seen, the atomic bomb. The Manhattan Project was a top-secret research effort led by the United States to develop this powerful weapon before the enemy could. The project brought together some of the greatest scientific minds of the time, including Albert Einstein and Enrico Fermi, who worked tirelessly to unlock the secrets of nuclear energy. Their efforts culminated in the Trinity Test, the first successful test of an atomic bomb, which took place on July 16, 1945, in the New Mexico desert. The Manhattan Project was one of the largest and most expensive research and development projects in history. The exact cost of the project is difficult to calculate, as much of the spending was done in secret and many records have been lost or destroyed. However, it is estimated that the total cost of the Manhattan Project was around 2 billion U.S. dollars, which would be equivalent to roughly 30 billion U.S. dollars today. The vast majority of the funding for the project came from the U.S. government, with support from the British government as well. The funds were used to support a wide range of research and development activities, including the construction of research facilities and the acquisition of equipment and materials. The cost of the Manhattan Project was not only financial, 
but also had significant human and environmental costs. The project employed tens of thousands of people, many of whom were exposed to radiation and other health risks. There were also several accidents and incidents at the project sites, including the infamous Demon Core accident that killed two scientists in 1945. The Demon Core accident was a critical event that occurred during a research experiment at the Los Alamos Laboratory in New Mexico on August 21, 1945. The experiment involved the use of a subcritical mass of plutonium, which was surrounded by neutron-reflecting material in order to study the behavior of the material under different conditions. During the experiment, one of the scientists accidentally dropped a tungsten carbide brick onto the plutonium core, causing it to become supercritical and release a burst of radiation. The scientist, Harry Doglian, was working alone and was unable to remove the brick in time to prevent exposure. Doglian was exposed to a lethal dose of radiation and died 25 days later from radiation sickness. The incident was kept classified at the time, and only a handful of people knew about it. Less than a year later, a similar criticality accident occurred involving another subcritical mass of plutonium at Los Alamos, which also resulted in a fatal dose of radiation. This second incident was known as the Slotkin incident, after the scientist involved, Louis Slotkin. But what actually happened to those men? Ionizing radiation, like millions of microscopic bullets, tears the human cellular structure apart. The skin then begins to blister, turns red, and then black. This is followed by a latency period during which the immediate effects subside and a patient will appear to be recovering, but they aren't. This normally lasts only for 48 hours, after which the cellular damage begins to manifest. The bone marrow dies, the immune system fails, and organs and soft tissues begin to decompose. Arteries and veins spill open with millions of microscopic holes to the point that there is no longer even the ability to deliver pain relief. The Demon Core accident and the Slotkin incident were significant reminders of the dangers and risks associated with nuclear research and development, and they highlighted the need for strict safety protocols and training in handling nuclear materials. Trinity Test the Trinity test was the first ever detonation of an atomic bomb and took place on July 16, 1945 in Alamogordo, New Mexico. The test was a critical moment in the Manhattan Project as it marked the culmination of years of research and development aimed at creating a viable weapon based on nuclear fission. The test involved the detonation of a plutonium implosion device, which was designed to create a chain reaction of nuclear fission that would release a massive amount of energy in the form of an explosion. The device was placed atop a 100-foot steel tower and detonated remotely. The explosion created a fireball that was visible for miles, and the shockwave was felt more than 100 miles away. The energy released by the explosion was equivalent to approximately 20 kilotons of TNT, and it left a crater 2,400 feet in diameter and 10 feet deep. The Trinity test was a success from a technical standpoint, as it demonstrated that the implosion design was a viable means of creating a nuclear explosion. The success of the test paved the way for the use of atomic bombs against Japan just a few weeks later.
Oppenheimer. J. Robert Oppenheimer played a critical role in the development of the atomic bomb and the Manhattan Project. As the director of the Los Alamos Laboratory, where much of the research and development for the atomic bomb was carried out, Oppenheimer was responsible for overseeing the scientific and technical aspects of the project. Oppenheimer was a brilliant physicist and a charismatic leader who was highly respected by his colleagues. He played a key role in bringing together the diverse group of scientists and engineers who worked on the project and in guiding their efforts towards a common goal. Despite his central role in the development of the atomic bomb, Oppenheimer was also deeply conflicted about its use. He was aware of the destructive power of the bomb and the devastating impact it could have on civilian populations. In fact, he famously said after the Trinity test, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. After the war, Oppenheimer became a vocal opponent of the further development and use of nuclear weapons and he was a leading advocate for international control and disarmament. His views and actions ultimately led to his falling out of favor with the U.S. government during the Cold War, and he was even stripped of his security clearance. Avoiding Operation Downfall After leaving his counterparts at Potsdam and halfway across the Atlantic, Truman was faced with two devastating options both of which were inherited from his late predecessor, FDR. The first was the already planned Operation Downfall. This was to be the undisputed largest invasion landing in world history, with the combined Allied war effort now focused on finishing the war in the Pacific. X-Day would take place on the 1st of November, 1945, with 42 carriers, 24 battleships, and 400 destroyers. Over 2 million Allied soldiers would land across 35 beachheads and launch attacks towards the targets of Kyushu and Honshu. On the Japanese side, Kyushu had been prepared in a similar fashion to Okinawa, with over 900,000 men lying in wait and over 4,000 kamikaze aircraft zeroed in on the American fleet. It is estimated that over 1,000 men would have died daily, and over twice that many on the side of the Japanese. At the same time, the Soviet Union, after devastating Manchuria, would have moved on to occupy all of Korea, where they would then be given lift from the U.S. Navy. The conquest was projected to be slow, with the two crushing forces like a vice not reaching their objective until 1947. In the end, forecasts suggested that the Allies would have lost over 1 million men, with the Japanese losing 5 million to 10 million. It is hard to believe that a single city would have remained, and once the conquering forces arrived in Tokyo, a separation similar to Berlin would inevitably take place, with a communist north and a capitalist south. This was option one. The second option was the bomb, and as we know, he chose the latter. This is how it unfolded. The atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. In the immediate impact, the bomb exploded with a force equivalent to 15,000 tons of TNT, creating a massive fireball and shockwave that destroyed everything within a radius of 1.6 kilometers from the epicenter. An estimated 70,000 people were killed instantly, and another 70,000 were injured. The explosion released a large amount of radioactive material into the air, which settled on the ground as fallout 
This caused many more deaths and illnesses in the days and weeks following the bombing. The blast knocked out communications infrastructure, so it took some time for news of the bombing to reach the outside world. The Japanese government initially denied that the bombing had taken place, but when the evidence became overwhelming, they were forced to acknowledge it. However, they still refused to surrender, hoping to hold out for better terms. The second atomic bomb was dropped on Nagasaki on August 9, 1945, killing an estimated 40,000 people and injuring tens of thousands more. On August 15, 1945, Emperor Hirohito announced Japan's surrender in a radio broadcast. This marked the end of World War II and the beginning of the Cold War. <laughs> 